It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Now, somebody recently emailed, it feels like we do Clark Stinks all the time. But the truth is, we only do it one time a week on today's podcast. And in addition to doing Clark Stinks today, we're going to talk about something else that stinks, taxes, and what you need to know about this year's tax season. Plus, I'll throw in a little bonus stuff about inflation, just a little update on inflation that is quite large right now, coming when I talk about taxes, which always seem too large too. But without further ado, it is time where you get to give me feedback, where you feel I have missed the mark in information, advice, or opinion that you've heard from me. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, we'll start with this one. I don't know that Clark is super stinky, but he did leave out an important piece of information about the No Surprises Act for medical billing. There is a not insignificant hole for ground ambulances where the law does not apply to them. So if you have to be taken to a hospital by ground, you can still expect to be charged full price and your insurance doesn't have to discount it at all. Ironically, if they fly you to the hospital in an air ambulance, then the act would apply. And, and that one's from Todd. And, uh, you know, this is why the problem with the ambulances is so bad ugly. That's why people are, believe it or not, calling Ubers and Lyfts. I don't know if you know this. People are calling Ubers and Lyfts to be transported to the hospital emergency room because they're terrified about getting a multi-thousand dollar charge for transport by ambulance. And this is uh, unfinished business that needs to be addressed where everybody treats the ambulance bill as a hot potato that always lands in the lap of the patient, the consumer, and everybody washes their hands of it and says, your problem. And it is one hole that among many with healthcare that needs to be addressed. And thank you for bringing that forward. Clark, I love your show, but I think you're off the mark on your response to the person who got a large bill for the boot for their child. I work in medical billing for an orthopedic practice, and we hear these same complaints all the time. Yes, you can go to Amazon and get something the same or very similar to whatever is dispensed by a doctor, but Dr. Amazon would not have been able to prescribe what your child needed. Consider the fact that the department has to be staffed by someone who personally fits the patient for the item. Would Amazon know which type of boot was needed as there are many different ones depending on the injury or what size was needed? Then the practice has to pay another staff member to submit the bill to your insurance with all proper documentation, post the payment once it's received, sometimes months later, and then bill you for any remaining balance. And that one's from Jeannie. Jeannie, thank you. And this is one of those areas in medicine that is clearly broken when what happens is the labor involved ends up being embedded in the cost of the item. So you end up with these massive price differences with what an item actually costs in the free market versus what it costs inside the web of the medical industry. 
And this is something that we're going to hear more and more about in 22 and 23 about hearing aids. That hearing aids have been decoupled from the service delivery. So in the United States, if you're not aware, we pay the world's highest prices for hearing aids. And the reason through the years has been, well, because of the uh, medical professionals involved in dispensing them. Well, now the cost of the hearing aids is being separated from the cost of the professionals. And that's the way it should be. If If a medical practice is going to sell a boot, the boot should be sold at free market prices. And if there's a charge for uh, getting the boot fitted right and all that, that should be billed separately, and then the consumer can make a choice. We did have a lot of people asking this week, what happened to the hearing aids thing? When are we going to see that drop in prices? So the hearing aids are dropping um, significantly in price. There's a lot of stuff happening in the marketplace, and you just have to stay attuned to what's going on. Um, as an example, I talked recently about the new Bose hearing aids that are ultra inexpensive. Costco keeps uh, very aggressively lowering the price of its hearing aids. If you go to a traditional hearing aid dealer, you're not seeing any of the new lower prices. Um, In the United States, we pay 10 to 20 times what people do in other countries for hearing aids. And it's going to be a kind of haphazard process through this year and next year, pulling those prices down. Clark, you missed the mark with your investing advice to the older brother who wanted to give his younger brother $15,000 to invest for retirement. You suggested $7,000 in a Roth IRA and the rest in a brokerage account. You should have suggested $7,000 for Roths for 2021 and 2022. Both can be done until April 15th. Few people take advantage of this time of year to get ahead on their Roth when they have extra money to invest, and that's from Mark. Mark, 100% right. I should have said that, and that was my bad. A lot about this. I know you did address this, but I thought I'd read one. Dear Mr. Howard. Okay. Oh, come I, on. I take that back. Dear Clark, you don't stink, but one of your favorite children does. What is up with Vanguard? I can never get through to talk to a live human being. And when I can, it takes me over two hours of sitting on hold. I'm hoping you have a secret trick I can use to get someone to help me. Faithfully listening, James in Huntsville. Yeah. You know, I did talk about the problems at Vanguard. Uh, was that? A couple weeks in- ago. That was in December, I guess. So So Vanguard has uh, really fallen behind and has become in direct service to its members, to its customers, has become a customer no-service organization. They've got to address this. They've got to fix it. You know, Vanguard, as a co-op, everything is supposed to be by and for the account holders. The customer service from there has not kept up with the growth in customers and assets on hand. What happened is Vanguard was kind of this sleepy company that gradually grew over time. And then over the last decade, it's become the world's second largest financial house. And now Vanguard's customers in-house and money in-house is so, so large that it completely outran their ability to serve those customers. And they are, it's like dealing with an airline right now. You know, these stories people talk about, about calling an airline and waiting 17 hours to talk to somebody. 
that seems to be what it's like at Vanguard. I think it's probably appropriate for us to talk to media relations there and say, what are you actually doing to fix this problem? And we'll know if the media relations people say, oh, we don't have a problem. We'll know right then and there they're not addressing it. Or if they say, yep, we know we've messed up, we're hiring, uh, you know, 14,000 new people or whatever, we'll know when we get an answer from them what's going on internally in Vanguard's culture. We will do that. Recently, you spoke to someone whose 18-year-old was starting their first full-time job. They asked what their child would be best off investing in first. You went straight to suggesting a Roth IRA. Shouldn't you have confirmed whether their child has access to a 401k with matching first and that they have an emergency fund? P.S. Thanks so much for the recent episode focused on Social Security, Russell in Missouri. Russell, thank you. So an 18-year-old, what I'm figuring is an 18-year-old is not going to be stable in initial employment, that they will change jobs multiple times in the first uh, four or five years. They may not even be at a place long enough for a 401k match. Um, Obviously, if they are somewhere with a 401k that has a match that they qualify for immediately, then my advice was backwards. And they should do the 401k with the employer match. But I'm thinking they're going to transit job to job to job probably into their early to mid-20s. And that's why the Roth, it's nothing you have to make portable. It is your account that flows with you where a 401k ends up a stranded thing back at that employer. So that's why I went straight to Roth, the Roth IRA. As for the rainy day account, yes, rainy day accounts are an incredibly valuable habit to establish and putting money in them. And I have such a fixation on the the Roth and getting people started with that and building a lifelong habit of saving for the future, that there are times that I have a blind spot to building up a rainy day account. It's true. Love you, Clark, but your advice on using Costco and Sam's Club rewards smelled like whatever the heck that slimy lump was in that plastic bag buried in the back of the produce drawer of my refrigerator. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. You told your listeners to utilize their reward dollars online for purchases back at the same big box store. Why? So they can give up earning the very same dollars that built them the cash nest egg to begin with? The better advice is to always cash out the cash rewards and use a rewards credit card to buy the next item you need there again and get the 1% to 4% back as cash rewards. Why on earth would someone flush the whole reason you have the card to begin with? Tisk tisk Clark. That advice stunk. And that's from Stephen. Yeah, Stephen, I must have hit my head that day because <laughs> with my Costco and Sam's rewards, I I always want the cash. Sam's makes it tougher, but Costco, you can go in and let's say you have a reward check for $300. You can buy the cheapest item in the store, buy a, you know, a $5 item, let's say, go to the register, they'll give you the rest back in cash that you can then use anywhere or put in savings. You have out-of-date information on your 529 list. It reads, if your child doesn't need the money, perhaps they'll get a scholarship. You can change the beneficiary to an eligible child, or you can withdraw the money and pay income tax on it, plus a 10% penalty. This is the only place the word scholarship appears in your article. Clark, if the child gets a scholarship, you can withdraw the amount of the scholarship penalty-free. 
Not tax-free, though. I love your list and reference it frequently when questions regarding 529s pop up on various social media pages to help educate others. Robert. Robert, thank you. And, and that is a omission from our guide that should be there, that if it is scholarship money that keeps you from needing the 529 money, that that portion is an offset that you pay the income tax, but you don't pay the 10% penalty. That's completely true. Okay, and you have to read this one. Clark doesn't stink, but Krista smells like old egg salad. Does egg salad smell bad? Old egg salad would. Oh, (laughs) I've been listening to Clark since the early 1990s and the podcast three to four times a week now, and I can't believe you've been working on this show for 30 years. It hadn't been 30 years. Not quite, but... 25, Mm -hmm. 26, 26 years. And how little you know about consumer issues? Ooh, Jimmy, why are you being so mean to Krista? It gets worse. Go ahead. I don't think she <laughs> listens or absorbs anything that I say. She spends the entire show kissing my rear, do you? And showering him with accolades. <laughs> really? Like Trump, Clark must promote his staff for their loyalty and praise of himself because it sure isn't for their knowledge Joel was a much better on-air companion. Why'd you put that in to and that's trash Jimmy. yourself? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I honestly thought it was it was a great opportunity for me to say, Jimmy, you're right, first of all, about Joel. Joel is awesome, and the reason Joel isn't here is because he has his own podcast about money, and it's awesome. It's called How to Money with his friend Matt, um, and loved working with Joel, and he definitely is very Clark-like, and, um, and I've always been so impressed no, with him. No, Joel is cheaper than I am. He probably is. He is, is absolutely uh, more thrifty than I am. Joel is kind of like me on steroids right. in terms of how careful he is with money. I remember when Joel was buying a wave of foreclosures during the period following the banking scandals from 7 to 12, and Joel didn't know how to do anything to a house. He was buying these houses that were pretty beat up, and he was going in and he was renovating them himself as much as he could and I was over with Joel helping him carry in some stuff one time to one of the properties he bought and I said how I mean what was he putting I think he was putting on a toilet or a sink or something I said how are you going to do this he said well I've been watching YouTube videos and he was able to do it now Mm -hmm. truth be told I could watch YouTube videos for the rest of my life how to do something in a house and I'd still mess it up but Joel, self-taught, using YouTube videos, does all this work himself. Mid-30s, Joel is already independently wealthy, and he does a great job. Now, you purposely having so me read the something. Reason, so the reason I also want to say is I definitely don't consider myself a money expert like you. I feel like my job is more to be of service to you, to the listener, to our staff that we have, all the employees of Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. And uh, you are so right. I'm not looking to take over <laughs> for Clark when he retires, as some people have suggested. And so I appreciate what I do. And you're so right. I'm learning every day. And but it's you, all good. But you are being too modest because you actually are good with money, but you're very humble. And that's yeah. why you come across as just you're a facilitator on the podcast. Well, yes. Rather than I always have a lot to learn. I, I don't, yeah. No, I am so. not Clark Howard for sure. So, <laughs> but I love working with you, and I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm kissing your rear, but we are we were like brother and sister, and I'm we've worked together for so long, and I we have fun doing this, so that's why I do it with you. 
Okay. So, Jimmy, um, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but this is one of the hardest working people I've Thank ever you. known. I don't need, I didn't need No, it's that, true. Sure. I mean, running, uh, running our media company, you're chief operating officer of the company, and you got a lot of things on your plate. So, want to talk about something that uh, we talked earlier about customer no service from Vanguard. And if they wanted lessons how to mess up customer service more, they could just see what's going on at the, the IRS, IRS right now. <laughs> We're going to talk about that coming up. So this is going to be a tough, tough tax year. You think about what the IRS employees have been through along with the rest of us with illness, working remotely, and all that. I mean, I say the rest of us, only a third of us in the workforce have had the privilege of being able to work remotely during coronavirus. The rest have had to, in order to get a check, have had to do things in harm's way out and about with others. But the IRS has been through just a mess. They are extremely short-staffed. Even tax professionals who normally were able to reach an IRS person with a technical tax question can't reach anybody with the IRS right now. A regular taxpayer, forget about it. And then to add additional salt to that wound, the IRS, uh, and I appreciate that they did so, were very upfront that they're going to screw up this tax season, that they're not going to be able to process refunds in an orderly or timely basis. And that is bad news for you if historically what you've done is you have paid in extra money through withholding, having extra withheld through your paycheck all year long is a method of forcing savings into your life. And then it's like you get a bonus when you get your refund. This year, you're going to potentially wait an extended period of time for that refund. And this takes me back to something I've talked about forever and Seems every year gives me another fat target reason to explain why you should not set yourself up with extra withholding at work as a method of savings. Because in the past many years, I've talked about if somebody files a tax return as if they're you, tax ID theft, that your refund goes to the crook. And then you have to wait uh, as long as a year or so to get your own refund back. That was the reason I've been giving for years and years and years. But then we add on top now, we got like icing on that cake, why you should not do extra withholding. Now the IRS can't even get your refund to you, even when you legitimately file your own return in a reasonable period of time. So I want you to reduce your withholding at your place of work if you use extra withholding as a method of savings and instead set up direct deposit from your paycheck into a savings account at an online bank or a credit union. Why online bank or credit union? The interest they're going to pay you is better, not great, but better. And if you go to a traditional bank, they pay essentially zero interest now on savings. So an online bank or a credit union is where you should do that. And whatever amount you stop over withholding from your paycheck let's say it's $20 a pay period or whatever it is, put that money into savings. Or better yet, 
just adopt our 2022 plan for 2022. We have it at Clark.com. The idea is we want you to end this year, if you have zero money saved, we want you to end this year saving $2,022. We have it set up on a schedule based on when likely expenses hit you in a month. So some weeks we want you to save more money, other weeks less money. But by the end of the year, you'll have $2,022 saved. So that's the idea for you to build new wealth. And you're going to need that money because inflation is bad ugly right now. Uh, The latest headline from earlier this week is that inflation last month was the highest it's been in the last 40 years after the prior month it was the highest it had been in the last 30 years. So I know every time I say this, people get angry at me, but it's true. A certain amount of the inflation we have right now is truly temporary. But as you go month after month with this, it starts being baked into our brains that, uh uh-oh, everything's going up in cost. It makes it easier for companies to push through price increases because they're like, oh, well, the customer's getting used to it. We're just going to charge more. And then inflation becomes an embedded thing in the economy. The reasons we have inflation are many. It's happening all around the globe, and it's because of any of a number of pandemic-related things, including the supply chain disruptions, the shortage of truck drivers, shortage of factory workers, shortage of logistics people because they work in many cases in close quarters. The COVID cases have been very, very high around the world among people who work in factory environments and distribution environments. And that has led to enormous shortages. Plus, the Federal Reserve, along with central banks around the world, overshot pushing too much money in the economy because generals always fight the last war. And one of the things that happened after the banking scandals that attacked the world economies back starting in 2007 is the central banks were too slow to react and push enough money into the economy. And that's why we had the Great Recession that was so deep and so severe. So this time, they went too far the other way. They pumped too much money into the economy. There's too much money chasing too few goods. And because a lot of activities people would have eaten up their money in, travel, restaurants, things like that, people instead are taking that money and they're buying stuff. So we've got more demand right now for stuff than normal. At the same time that the people who make and distribute the stuff, many of them are out of work because they're ill. It has all fed into pushing prices way up on so many categories. Now, one area that has been an area of shortage in the United States has been gasoline and natural gas. And we've seen it at the pump. Here is great news. New reports out just yesterday that the production of oil, which is used obviously for gasoline and other distillates, and natural gas is going to set an all-time record high in the United States by later this year. And 23 is going to be a great production year for natural gas and fuels. So this is really, really important for our wallets because it's like an additional tax on us 
if we drive a gas engine vehicle and we go in to fill it up and what was costing us 30 is now costing us 50 or whatever the equivalent is for your tank and your wallet, all that money that's being grabbed by the tank is money you don't have to spend in your life anymore. And the massive uh, production of energy in the United States, we're now the world's largest energy producer most years, is going to help with that. But the Federal Reserve, as quick as it can now, realizes, oops, oops, we put too much money out there. We, as they call it, in the central banks, they prime the pump too much. Now they're going to pull back, and it's going to have a slowing effect on the economy, which is, in this case, a good thing, not a bad thing, in dealing with too much money flowing out there in the U.S. and, again, economies around the world. Well, speaking of electricity, gas, fuel, natural gas, James in Florida wrote in and said, since Clark drives an electric vehicle, what happens if he gets stuck for over 24 hours on an icy interstate highway, such as just happened in Virginia? I realize it's an anomaly, but as a gasoline vehicle driver looking at purchasing an electric vehicle, I'm curious, what saves the vehicle and driver? Yeah, so this is a great question because that was... Those were horrific conditions that people suffered in on the interstates in Virginia. And if you miss the news on that, oh, just look it up. It was, I felt so badly for those people. So years ago, when I got my first electric vehicle, uh, more than 10 years ago, but I was in a storm, I think it was nine, nine or 10 years ago, I was in my Nissan Leaf. And it was 12 degrees outside, and traffic had completely gridlocked. And I could not run the heat because every minute you ran the heat in that Nissan Leaf, it destroyed the range of the vehicle. And I was in there, teeth chattering, gloves on, ski cap on, in my jacket. And finally, I had to abandon my car. And um, uh, this is a story I haven't told for years. I called a friend who used to live in a neighborhood and I said is there anybody in that neighborhood you used to live in that you've stayed in touch with and it's our friend Sherry Sherry. (laughs) told me uh okay go up the hill and go to the house that has the two columns in front and knock on the door and ask for Jim or whatever it was I don't remember and so sure enough I go and I knock on this door I you know I trudge up the hill through the snow and knock on the door And this woman opens the door, and she looks around me. And I'm like, why is she looking around me? She assumed I was doing, uh, I was out with the TV crew, because I'm a TV reporter too, and I was doing a story on the blizzard. (laughs) I said, no, I'm just cold, and your old neighbor Sherry told me to come here. She said, well, come on in. They fed me, and I got warm, and then I ended up spending the night at a friend's house about, three quarters of a mile away because I couldn't get anywhere. The irony of all that was I was doing continuous coverage of the storm and that's why I got stuck (laughs) and why I couldn't get home. But anyway, today's like, James, this is such a roundabout way to answer your question. So fast forward, today's electric vehicles tend to have a technology in them that if you were stuck in that storm, like, for example, a Tesla, I think the Audis, I'm 
I think the Volkswagens too, they have a heating system inside that does not drain the battery in the vehicle. It uses some kind of heat pump. pump. Mm -hmm. And so the people who were in vehicles that have that heating technology that are electric, they never had to worry about running out of juice to run their vehicle. And they were able to stay warm in that storm. They did not have to worry about carbon monoxide or anything like that. So it really depends on the electric vehicle if you're a okay, and sorry, I told went way down a crazy blind alley. And there alley are now um, that services story. that are starting to crop up that will come to you with a battery charger and charge if you're stranded with an electric vehicle. You didn't Which know no that. One, no one could do that though in this. Right storm. in that case, like you're yeah. just stuck there. Um, but eventually, so like road if someone ran out of gas, it's roadside assistance for electric vehicles is now coming. Really? So, yes, sir. Wow, I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> I did. That's crazy. Okay, Tim in Arizona. I'm flying into Houston Hobby Airport in a few weeks, spending four days in the burbs of Houston, West Houston. When I booked my flight on Southwest, they offered a car rental, $29 per day, $40 per day total with fees. I did book this rental, and I'm worried this low-car rental is too good to be true and that I will get a higher fee or surprise charges. I'd probably rather rent a car, but I'm fairly comfortable using Uber and public transportation. What are your thoughts? And then he sent a second email saying, P.S., I know Clark is probably wondering, so yes, I will be visiting Bucky's while I'm in Texas, LOL. <laughs> yeah, if you if you don't know what the Bucky's cult is, sure. I am part of the Bucky's cult. Here is my Bucky's cup. If you're watching the video version of this, yeah, (laughs) uh, this is uh, got the little Bucky's beaver on it, and uh, uh, just look it up if you're like, what's this guy talking about? What in the world is Bucky's? It's a cultural thing in Texas and the southern states of the United States. Anyway, so the car rental company you're booked with is one that has a horrific reputation. It is actually uh, almost every car brand, rental car brand now is owned by one of three huge entities. Enterprise, which is the largest, that owns National and Alamo. I'm trying to think what else they own. And then you've got Hertz that owns several, Avis that owns several. And so even though it looks like there's all these different car rental brands, they're really all under three owners. And those owners segment the market. And the one that you're with, that you have this booking with, is the one that has perhaps the worst reputation. No, second worst. I'm not going to get into names here because if I start naming who's the worst car rental agency, we could be here a while. But anyway, the key with them is they're going to try to sell you all kinds of junk pseudo insurance. They would take your $29 a day, and by the time you're done, make it about $70 a day before the taxes that are added on so if you get to the counter tim and you've already prepared yourself your own automobile insurer covers you for temporary use of that rental car you have a credit card that covers whatever your auto insurance doesn't cover you're good you say no to everything that they're going to try to sell you and you will be the one person that day who leaves that counter paying the 29 bucks a day that you were actually booked for And I want to tell you, I really appreciate all the emails, and we get thousands, and I hate it that we can't get uh, all the emails. What we do is look for patterns and try to address as many as we can. But 
we do offer the option of one-on-one free individual advice to you. And it's something we've been doing now for 29 years. And so if you want free one-on-one advice, it's available from 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon Eastern time zone. The number you call to the Team Clark Consumer Action Center is 636-49-CLARK. And if you're out jogging right now and you can't absorb all that, just do this. Go to, when you get back from your run, just go to clark.com slash C-A-C. For Consumer Action Center. For Consumer Action Center. Thank you.